Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio, South Asian show. My name's Gaines, and I'm here with Simran. Happy New Year. I'm so happy you got that the opening line right, because I would have messed that one up. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Microphone. Guys, I was going to pick it up again. <laughs> guys, I got a new microphone. <laughs> so now we are two people with a podcast. ASMR, is that the correct? AMSR? ASMR? ASMR. A- yeah, ASMR. Oh my God, you confused me now. ASMR, yeah. What does that actually stand for? Audio. I knew you were going to ask this, I don't know. Audio stimulation landscape. Really? No. Landscape? What the hell did you get the? I don't know. Just because it's like surround sound, isn't it? Like, Oh wait, no, it's or, not It's not an L. I was thinking, yeah, a- I, was thinking I, was I was thinking. ASL, like age, sex, location. <laughs> like... Oh my god, I was thinking American Sign Language. Why yeah. would you say age, sex, location? You spent too much time on Omegle. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Learn something new every day. I never ever would have known that or guessed that if I hadn't Googled it. But I'm a big fan of ASMR videos now that we're on the topic. No. I don't I don't really understand people that don't like them because there's so much variety in them now. You're you're guaranteed to find something that you like, I feel no. like. Every time they come up on TikTok immediate so I, I hate it like i i hate it so much it, it really cringes me out like what like like not cringe like oh it's embarrassing cringe like cringe you're like well a bit of embarrassing but also i'm just like oh. literally what the f are you doing like stop I it have, like, i have a folder on tiktok that's just called that's sake. satisfying i'm a big fan of the asmr you know the you ones do, where yeah. they've got like um soap oh yeah and they're, they're like by the mic like and they're like yeah. Yeah, no, not a fan. And there's this woman and she brushes your hair. I don't know how she does it because I'm usually asleep like five minutes in. But it's like hair brushing and it feels like she's brushing your hair. And it's just chef's kiss. I brush my own hair. Thank you very much. Well, no one's brushing it for you. And if they did, you'd be asleep. So we're starting off 2023 <laughs> like that then. Right. Okay. All right. How was your New Year's Eve? How was your holiday season? It came and went. It was very quick, but... Um, Legit. Yeah, New Year's Eve was nice though. Very chilled, just playing Mario Kart with my fiance and a couple of people. Yeah, goals. Goals. Why you said yours was quite chilled as well? Yeah, we just went to one of my friends' houses and we just there was only like there was like six of us, seven of us, and we just like had drinks and had food, um, and watched the fireworks and they played the Dilja Desange song. Yeah, yeah, literally there was like a split second, wasn't it? It like... was very quick. <laughs> I think literally by the time, because we were all like pretty drunk at this time, by the time we realised it had played, it had ended. Yeah, no, no, it, I think it was, I, no, but I feel like they played like some kind of like Afrobeats as well at the same time or something. I think I was screaming about the Dilja yeah. Desange and didn't even realise what got played after that. Um, it very much oh, did they felt... Play, like, was it, sorry, was it like Thames or something? I'm... I feel like they played that earlier on. They played Essence, I think. Yeah. Like, um, and then, but they, it was the same time as the Dilji one, which I didn't even recognize it as Dilji. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's Bangra drums. Like, but um, I, um, I reckon they played like something Afrobeats as well. And it was literally just like, let's just throw in a bit of multiculturalism. Yeah, you, know, you know why they do it is to make every ethnic household scream for five seconds. But I'm, I'll, I'll take it, you know, sometimes I'm a sucker for British media. Yeah, I mean, it was like, Pride got like a bit longer. I think they got like 15, 20 seconds of just rainbow. Oh, all right. like... <laughs> um, and another big dub for the Punjabi slash Sikh community. I don't actually know if it's a dub because let's be honest. But I was watching Charles's Christmas speech with the family. Oh, yeah. And he started listing like places of worship for different religions. And he was going through the list, yeah. And I think literally all me and my family were like, is he going to say it? Is he not going to say it? Is he going to say it? Is he not? And he was like, good waras. And we were like, hell yeah <laughs> to be fair i watched it as well i can't remember it though no that's literally the only bit i remember but uh, um yeah i watched it because um i don't know just just watch it i think it well i mean i don't normally watch it but um i was with my family that wanted to watch it at the time and then also it was kind of like interesting to see how he does it obviously it's the first yeah one. i it's think yeah queen. people were yeah because like i think we watch it every year normally anyway but this year i think everyone was keen on watching it because they wanted to see what he was going to say basically yeah and i mean it's not even like it's like there are people before him that have done this because obviously since tv's been a thing 
the queen has been in power. Do you know what I mean? So it's like so wild. the first televised monarch speech that is not the queen. She was but, the blueprint. Anyway, because Halim is going to get angry if we spend any more time talking about this. On that topic, um, if you're noticing the absence of screaming Mancunian female vocals, um, Halima is currently still in New York, um, living life. I personally found it hilarious that like she landed there and it was like minus 14 degrees and I was like, lol. Who's <laughs> laughing now? <laughs> but she seems to be having a good time, so fair enough. But seeing as we're all on the topic of New Year, um, and I thought let's have a bit of a fun start to 2023 because like inevitably things are going to go downhill at some point and oh we're going to end up talking God, about it. Oh my God, you can't it. say that. I, I you hope can't they, say inevitably I things are going to go don't. downhill. I hope they don't, but if there's anything we've learned from the past two, if I'm going to call them seasons of Manga Masala, this is the start of season three. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but if there's anything we've learned, it is that... There's stuff to moan about all the time, and we're here to do that. So, yeah, let's start off with a bit of fun. I thought, Simran, I'm going to test you on your knowledge of 2022. Big fat quiz of the year style. Ten questions, and let's just call it a citizenship test round two. Question number one. The Wagatha Christie trial finally came to an end this year. Which two footballer wives did it concern? I'll accept just the surname. It's Rebecca Vardy. I know that. Because mm. it was like dot dot. It's Rebecca Vardy. So that's half a point. And Mrs. Rooney. I'll accept Colleen that. Rooney. Colleen there Rooney. We go. Colleen Rooney. Well done. That's one point. One for one so far. Question number two. We discussed this. Who did Will Smith slap at the 2022 Oscars? Chris Rock. Correct. Question number three. South Dakota's Tariq went viral this year for his love of which vegetable? Corn. Correct. You're smashing this. What 80s Kate Bush track became her first UK number one this year following Stranger Things? Oh, it's something about a hill, isn't it? Is it got the word hill in the title? Maybe. Climbing up that hill? Running up that hill? Running up that hill. Correct. There we go. Question number five. At the end of summer, a movie directed by Olivia Wilde and starring Harry Styles and Florence Pugh attracted much controversy. Name that film. Can I have a hint? Uh... Is three, it is it is it is it a year? No, it's three words. No. Give me another hint. That's all the hints you're getting, I'm afraid. Oh, okay, no, go and tell me. Don't worry, darling. I never would have guessed that. No. <laughs> right, four out of five so far, not bad. Right. Kurt Zuma was charged with animal cruelty after videos surfaced of him kicking his pet. What animal was it? Oh, a cat. Correct. How many days did Liz Truss last as British Prime Minister? Not as many as the letters. <laughs> tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you it's between 40 and 50. If you get it correct, I'll give you the point. I'm curious as to what maths you could possibly be doing from that. <laughs> I'm saying all the numbers in my head to see which one sounds like this from the most right. Forty-six. Forty-four, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. no, the forty-four didn't sound right yeah. in my head. <laughs> you overestimated her. Right, what did Heidi Klum dress up as for Halloween this year? A worm. Correct. In November, what milestone did the world population surpass? Eight billion. Correct. I was going to say nine for some reason. I'm not there yet. Well, I always think this. I'm like, how are they actually measuring it? Like, realistically, no one knows. Oh, I learned this in geography. Don't 
quote me if this is like right or in any capacity here. Um, we, five people are born a second and three people die a second. So we're at a net gain of two people a second on average. So what, they're just constantly monitoring that and assuming that, okay, at this I don't know point. if that's the metric they use to measure the world population. Maybe it could even... Yeah, I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I would imagine it probably changes over time as well. So since you were doing geography, it's probably changed because I, I mean, know... this is probably like 2015. Yeah, and like people are saying as well, like a lot of people are arguing about like overpopulation is that we're actually going to end up going the opposite way because people aren't having kids as much in the west anymore if that makes sense that just means like one generation needs to die out basically and that sounds really insensitive but like one generation needs to die out and then we'll be underpopulating on that note the final question (laughs) this is meant to be positive that wasn't supposed to be like a it was just one generation just needs to die okay right Final question, what team came fourth in the 2022 World Cup football? Does it begin with an M? Maybe. Morocco? Correct. Not bad, 8 out of 10. Oh my god, I passed the flying colours, mate. That's like a first. Yeah, actually, it's always mad, isn't it? Because like, in like places like the US, it's like you have to get like a 90 to get like an A, but here it's like if you get above 60, then that's still decent. Like... I was explaining to someone at work what a... Two, 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 one, then a first, is, and it made no sense to them because I just—it's really hard to explain. And then you say like, "Oh, seventy is the best grade you can get," but that doesn't sound like very spectacular. No, I don't yeah, know. But anyway, well done, Simran. We're gonna play a bit of music now. Um, you can celebrate when we come back. We'll get into talking. You know what? There's not too much depressing stuff to talk about today, but it's a bit of um controversy. So stay tuned for that. Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name is Gaines. I'm here with Simran. Hello. I love how you like, lean into it. Yeah, there's, right. I was there's no need to have leaned into it then. Hi. Uh, but Do you reckon I could go around and interview people on the street now? If you want to carry your laptop around with you, seeing as it's a USB microphone, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, we might have some of that coming out soon more talking to people on the street so stay tuned for that anyone who enjoyed our um eid video so might be going to a different city who knows that's all i'll say for now but oh yeah speaking of things that we're not meant to mention (laughs) um a couple of interesting things happened over the holidays which not going to delve into but just uh we'll give a few keywords out and see if the listeners can get it from it so first of all we had two musical artists who went to court and the outcome was given which was interesting to see how that happened so yeah very interesting indeed even though some people like might like one of their person's music well you know it is what it is shots were shots were fired um one song and i don't listen to it anymore i haven't listened to it since the verdict came out and i do agree you can't separate the art from the artist so i haven't listened to any of the other songs that that art said artist has made wow do you want a medal I've taken a stance i've taken a stance <laughs> all right moving on the other thing involved climate activism pizza boxes romania and I don't want to say justice because that's a bit too soon, but yeah, we'll we'll see how things go there. And that's all we're saying. <laughs> because we do because not we want... we don't want the heat. <laughs> it's January. Don't make me cry. It's Please. so dark outside. I'm sensitive. The vitamin, T, the vitamin D tablets that I've been taking since September, yeah, they're not that strong. Have you actually noticed the difference or no? I could be, it could be such a placebo, but not going to lie. Like, yeah, I haven't been affected by the SAD so bad this year. But saying that, I only believe winter starts in January because winter, like the dark winter time is pretty fun while it's all Christmassy and everyone's happy. I've said this before. Mm. And then January through April, for me, are the months that suck. I feel like March is all right. It's mainly January and February. They're a bit like... April's always rough, I feel like, though, because it rains a lot. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? There's a saying, April showers. But then yeah. when we were looking up for our wedding, which is another thing that's happening in 2023, which is mad. We were going to talk about that. Mm. But when we were looking that up, apparently that saying is a bit silly because we were looking up what month to get married in. And we were like, oh, April showers. Maybe we shouldn't get married in April. Um, but then we looked it up and like April was like the driest month last year. Oh. So I don't really understand what, or not the driest month, but it was a lot drier than oh. it's competitors so and people do get married in april to be fair yeah no it was a consideration for us but it's happening in june for anyone that wants to know so if you want an invite hit me up <laughs> i'll see what i can what? do open invitation <laughs> oh my god please just to be clear that's an absolute joke please don't turn up. please don't turn up in manchester in june and just find the wedding next time we do like a 2024 like new year episode you would have been married for six months it is crazy like it's the beginning of june as well so it's not even like it's six months from now it's like less than five so or not even oh my god february march april may june yeah and how are you feeling i feel like now we're gonna get to the point where we dedicate like an episode a month to like marriage check-in please don't because it's like it, it literally whenever because because grown-up life for anyone that isn't grown up who's listening to this is that you never see people like and then you, when you do see them it's like catching up on everything and the question that every single time is like oh so how's wedding planning coming along how's this and it's like shut up go away <laughs> like because so that's a psa to everyone that yeah asks carlos how's the wedding planning going because like it's it's happening like what do you want me to say like it's it's ongoing people want to know the deets man i do feel like it does come from people want to feel like they're more involved in the wedding than maybe perhaps they are because i'm guilty of it like i'll ask someone like so venue dj dress makeup artist what tell me everything <sighs> just what that takes away like stay tuned in june and then you get the surprise isn't it like if you know everything then you're gonna know what to expect i would like to know some things right you can talk about it off air <laughs> anyway but how are you how are you feeling i'm feeling fine i think it is starting to set in a bit more that it's like okay this year is the year that i'm getting married but again i feel because of the magnitude of um desi weddings it's very much like there's not really any time to actually process things so it's like very much like yeah but it's definitely starting to sink in but it's not it's not a feeling of um like any negative feeling or anything like that it's more just like okay so this is actually happening like that's cool yeah i'm very excited yeah no you well you get to literally have a good time you get to just turn up enjoy all everything and that's that but you'll you'll know obviously from your stepbrother's wedding like not last year but the year before now which is weird but um, no it was last year 2021 two one one year before yeah so not last year sorry you're on the ball i'm not it's weird isn't it yeah god time flies but um but yeah you'll know from that that obviously like planning weddings is not it's a lot and like the day depending on the kind of person you are and the type of wedding it is i mean regardless of that the day will fly by like you will it will be over in like a flash i don't want you it just to have be to over. like you have to just like find moments with mianka and just like enjoy yeah I and think. if you have to scream at some auntie do it i will be on damage control if you need me to okay that's good to know Right, put in the stopper in marriage chat. We'll revisit that the first uh, episode of next month. <laughs> <laughs> the um, main thing that I wanted to chat about today that has been in the news, which is controversy, but not really that controversial. It's just more just something interesting to talk about. Love Island's coming back. Maya Jama's presenting it. It's on 16th of January. I think they're doing Big the wit- presenter. I yeah. like that a lot. No, it should be a nice... Um, change like we see how she did i really enjoyed her when she presented the first season of the circle so we'll see if she did like laura though yeah no i I don't know i didn't dislike laura but i got what people meant when i think it's also the fact that she just never seemed to be there i mean obviously you got after sun but i feel like obviously r.i.p caroline flack but i feel like when she was actually presenting it she was actually going to 
the villa a lot more, which made it a bit more interesting. Whereas Laura Whitmore just seems to kind of pop in like three times a, uh, a session and then that was it. But yeah, we'll see what it's like. Um, the new thing though, which is interesting, is that it's come out saying that basically people who go into Love Island are going to have to freeze their socials whilst they're in there. So I've got a statement here. Um, as part of new rules to protect both the islanders and their families from the adverse effects of social media, participants will be asked to pause handles and accounts on their social media platforms for the duration of their time on the show. This means that whilst contestants are in the villa, their accounts will remain dormant and nothing will be published on their behalf. Now, obviously, compared to previous seasons, you had family members and close friends um posting on the islanders accounts for them to generate support and to stick up for them or to put statements out that sort of thing none of that's going to happen anymore um so yeah what's your thoughts on that initial thing simran i just think it's a very strange thing to implement because i don't really understand what adverse effects of social media that it's actually like mitigating because if they're doing it from a mental health point of view because of the history of love island and kind of the history of poor mental health and suicide that we've seen in um, love island contestants and hosts in the past that it's social media when you come out of the villa that's harmful and impacts them and then contributes to like you know what may happen to them afterwards mental health wise so i don't really see the point of it and then as well i think the family and friends ability to defend a love islander while they're in the villa is actually a good thing because at least then you can kind of put your point out there and it's almost like doing pr for them because they're not full celebrities that they probably aren't repped by an agency or anything like that and they'll have like someone on the outside to do a bit of like damage control essentially if something bad happens the main um like reasoning behind this that one article that i saw about this seemed to put forward was that in the season just gone by um obviously spoiler alert if you haven't already watched last season davide and ekansu ended up winning um and their relationship throughout the series was quite um tumultuous if we're going to use that word um definitely had their ups and downs and there was one point towards the beginning of the series where they were having a bit of a slump in their relationship and um davide's i think it's his close friends that were um that were running the account for him they posted something after ekansu said something that a lot of people took to be quite like misogynistic and speaking out against her which is kind of embarrassing now obviously that they're together and she's probably met those friends as well um and they had to be like yeah we overreacted and i think at the time as well a lot of people called out the people behind the account for that and they had to come out and apologize for what they said um so i feel like that might be in what's led to this but i'd also like to first of all question the authenticity of ekans and davide's relationship number one but number two um i think that's kind of a one incident out of all these people that have gone on where it's actually been bad like to form a whole policy around it i'm not sure and it's kind of like now you know your responsibility as a family member to a contestant so judging off of what's happened with that whole davide situation maybe you should just do better in the future if you had like i don't know a family member that was going on yeah or i feel like the what they should have took from that was maybe okay we need to have people that maybe go and speak to the families of people that are going in or whoever's going to run these accounts and tell them look like you need to remain somewhat neutral or yeah, you like get impartial sign, uh, contracts like that's not exactly out of itv's control is it yeah i feel like that would be better i mean it's like us coming on radio i mean obviously I've, i feel like we kind of push the line a little bit a lot of the time but like we try and attempt to i mean we have to be ultimately quite impartial at the end of the day and add in that this is our opinion this is this that and like definitely don't promote hate or any form of oppression so yeah i feel like if you had a sister or something that was going on love island they for example might mug someone off and 
you ha- still have a duty to protect that other person's mental health, I feel like, because you have the power in that situation, managing the social media to affect that and, you know, yeah. create and, you know, cause people to direct negative attention towards the person or whatever, towards any other contestant in the villa. So I feel like if you're responsible enough to manage a social media account, you should be respons- responsible enough to understand the consequence of your actions. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think as well, it's kind of, it is sort of who is this actually protecting at the end of the day? Because like you said, it's when people come out and they see what everyone's been saying that um, they're um, affected. And what this, in my eyes, will effectively end up doing is it's it's sort of taking away the voice from the public as to what they can really say. I mean, obviously people will be tweeting and whatnot, but they can't really... um, have that sort of engagement with the people whilst they're in there um and also i believe probably the media as well it gives them more power to actually dictate as to how people see things because the artist isn't i'm calling them an artist influencer person who's going in like they they don't actually have any form of um their family can't make any statement for them so the media is just free to kind of just run wild and say whatever they want about it that's what i'm thinking i don't think it actually like mitigates a big enough risk to be put in as a policy if that makes sense yeah no i think that yeah the main mental health issue here is like protecting the islanders themselves i would argue and i think i don't really see what this is doing because they're still going to come out and if people don't like them they're still as soon as they activate their social media like i think it just seems like everyone on board is trying to avoid any mental health related claim whatsoever no one can say anything about the safeguarding and safety and the mental health care of these contestants they're literally trying to put everything in place to make sure that's made true and that's not quite true because when you release them out into the big wide world they're subject to everything and anything yeah regardless of whatever you put in it's sort of like if you're like raising a child and you sort of keep them in like a cocoon for like 18 years never expose them to anything on the outside and then when once they turn 18 you're like but here it, yeah. you go like but it just... really is because you're taking normal people sometimes some people that are literal influencers before they go in but you're taking like the average person and then you're giving them this like level of fame in two weeks which is overnight for them because they haven't had access to their phones anyway so they literally go to tenerife or wherever it is for do whatever they need to do and come back to potentially a million followers brand deals and whatever whatever and how do you deal with that i don't know like what yeah yeah and clearly like it that is something that obviously needs to improve on because unfortunately we have seen multiple people that have like suffered or even took their own lives following appearing on love island because they haven't got the support that they need um which on the one hand you don't want to really place blame on any one person but certainly I think the fact it's happened to multiple people is a sign that something can be done to improve and something's still missing there so yeah I mean I don't know are you going to be watching this because the the winter one the last time they did it I watched it but I didn't watch the winter one at all last time and Mm. this wasn't I think I've we spoke about this I think it's just oversaturation at this point yeah i'm surprised that they've decided to do it and i feel i've seen people saying that they think this whole stop in the socials thing is also gonna maybe gonna be a bit of a kick in their own foot because it's kind of preventing that sense of because especially last season i think like someone like um i who was on it um even though he didn't even get very far his like people loved like the people that were behind the account and like it's very much like sort of like a black Twitter sort of thing, like very much like that style of humor. And there was a building of like, it was that was that was part of the whole Love Island experience for them. And taking that away is then like, well, well, are we just gonna sit here and watch stuff for an hour because I don't know. It's yeah, we'll see how it is. But rewinding as well, um, Davide Neck and Sue's relationship. You've been listening to Max Belegde and his opinions on things no mm. what, what? Well, go on what what why are you debating my manchester people's relationship you don't think i think if there was anything to debate surely they wouldn't be together still sure have you not seen all those really awkward videos of them like kissing each other at the wrong time and just like saying things that they clearly don't know about one another like it's just very 
I don't know. I don't really care that much. Yeah, me I, neither. I didn't mean it as like a big thing, but I just don't feel like I really... I feel like they've come out with such a... Like, the speed at which they've come out with... They've got like a show on like Channel 4 or something, like where they go mm-hmm. to Italy, I want to say, maybe Turkey. Um, like the speed at which they're churning out partnerships with one another, it does... Looks a little PR-y to me. In Simran's opinion. In my opinion. Each to their own, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how this new series goes. I mean, I can say now I don't think I'll be tuning in, but I feel like I'll want to keep up with the Twitter commentary, so we'll see. I do feel like Love Island is a little out. Mm, I mean, it was, and then I feel like last season it did kind of reel itself back in a bit. I don't know. We'll have to see, but yeah, um... That rounds off this hour. Um, stay tuned for the next, where I'll be joined by Kapil Seishasai to speak about his new um, LP, Lal, and also new remix of his track 370 featuring Daytime is Zah as well. But yeah, thank you, Simran, for coming on today. Coming on to your own. I don't know why I said coming on. You're coming on to your own show, like literally. Like... Thank you for having me, guns. <laughs> Thank you for pleasure every week. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the um, listeners have enjoyed your new quality of voice as well. I hope so. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, stay tuned for more of the same next week. And yeah, also don't go away because there's another hour coming. But oh, sorry. (laughs) Please listen to the next hour. (laughs) Right. Let's see you next time, Simran. Bye. Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name is Gaines and I'm here with Kapil Seishasai. How are you doing? I am great. Thanks so much for having me. Lovely to be on your show. No, thank you. And it's very refreshing. Our first guest of 2023 to have a Scottish accent as well. Like, I'm glad we're starting it with that. It's all like, uh, it's nice to have a smattering of different northern accents on your show. We were just talking about that before we started recording. But uh, no, it's... I think that it's easy to get lost in the idea if you're a South Asian making music in the UK that you need to go to London, you need to go to Birmingham, you need to go to the Midlands, whereas there's plenty of cool folk like yourselves, you know, trying to build a community up north. Let's have some more community. Let's uh, jump on each other's podcasts and have conversations, you know, like just like today. Exactly. It's like not to get too political before we get into discussing your Mm -hmm. album and stuff, but the correct correct analogy, in my opinion, was like sort of like the HS2 in the sense that why are we creating means for us to go down south rather than investing more money in the actual north itself? Do you know what I mean? But Again, that's my opinion before anyone starts getting into that. And we're not here to talk about it, just do. We're here to um, talk about yourself. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about you and your music? Absolutely. So I'm a protest musician based in Glasgow, up here in Scotland. Uh, my music's like a weird smattering of, R- of all R&B, Indian classical music, experimental electronic music. I get prog a lot, but I think because... A lot of the scales I use from classical music end up in that bent. I end up there as well. So prog gets chucked in too. Um, I cover a lot of themes such as nationalism, disability rights, censorship of minority voices. The really divisive stuff I cover is around the Indian caste system. I did an album about that in 2018. Bowled up with an album all about Bollywood that dropped in November of 2022. You can find and read about my music in the likes of Rolling Stone, Vice, Pitchfork, and The Guardian. And I've been really lucky that my music's allowed me to travel around the world, singing these songs, spreading these messages. And I think what I've learned is it's cool to be speaking to, you know, folk who like the idea of your music, but might not vibe with it directly. I want to be more community focused this year, which is why I'm like reaching out to folk like yourselves and going, hey, I want to chat to South Asians, folk who are literally going through some of the stuff I'm covering in my tunes. So yeah, covering a bunch of stuff all all at once. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think it's really cool what you've got going on. And like you were saying, I think having listened to your music, I think I can can, um, empathise with it being quite hard to like sort of categorise you in terms of like where you would put your music because it is very much an amalgamation of different genres to create Mm. its own kind of unique sound but that's kind of what you want to be really isn't it like you want to be like 
your like I would listen to your music and think that's very much like your sound rather than oh um, he's got an influence from here or here I mean it's fine to have influences but I think definitely you've got something very unique about the music that you put out I really, yeah, I really appreciate that. My sister reminded me that when I was a lot younger, my dream was to have a sound that was all my own. And I feel like I've come into that having worked really hard on it throughout my career. But it's this double-edged sword where you get this press from whatever magazine saying, oh, you, you know, it sounds like this and it sounds like that, but it also doesn't sound like anything. But we live in a world dominated by algorithms that like where like an artist's career live and die by being able to sit in a certain box and build a content strategy and have branding all based around like a certain thing like you know for your listeners like lal the name of my album about bollywood transit says the color red i can wear this red jacket and i can have this red box behind me to signify the branding but it's like it's hard work trying to figure out how best to get your music to people because certain people will hear the music completely differently but it's exciting as well like it's cool to have a sound that's all your own and um you're attacking it different ways like if i'm attacking like if i'm trying to attack it from a perspective of how do i get south asians i talk about it a certain way and in other times that i'm appealing to like maybe an audience who are of other ethnic backgrounds but like it because it's more experimental i'd be doing something different so it's cool to be able to constantly be changing you know for sure and i think definitely it would be cool to see where your journey takes you next as well mm. but focusing on the most recent album like you said lal which means red and i was gonna ask um why why lal then why have you decided to call this album red because for the listeners out there like you said this album is focusing on the bollywood film industry so i was interested yeah. as to why what is the link there between that and the album title so i it's one of these weird like i had the album cover for this record in my head a long time before the songs almost came about and lal came about halfway through me working on it and that the short answer is lal or the color red it has so many connotations that tie in with the album really well like um red is a color that's so sent that like especially that vibrant shade of red that's across the album cover it's very synonymous with like bollywood's like palette when it comes to song and dance numbers that you see it's very synonymous with like the wedding color that you that south asian weddings almost always include it's synonymous with um like uh, some of the themes on the album, like social media is a big thing that I talk about in the album, like uh, the song 370 that was remixed by Zara from Daytimers. Um, that song's about how different struggles around the world seem to only be taken as seriously as their marketing copy is. Like everyone talked about Ukraine. Everyone talked about the, the Charlie Hebdo shooting in France and every tragedy is equally demand should equally demand our attention because human rights are human rights. Right. But there was a campaign in Kashmir to raise awareness of the atrocities going on there called Go Red for Kashmir, where people would set their profile pictures to a red square, but it just didn't take on the level that the Ukrainian flag and sharing that did. And what I wanted to get across is Lal or the color red. It was, you know, it was almost what tried to get more awareness of a campaign to talk about a tragedy but it just didn't land and i thought i'll name my album that and then maybe i can start some conversations about it too so you know you want to pick the you want to pick something a name for an album that really carries as much of what the album's about in the name and that's why i chose red or lal as it were besides um the idea of um certain tragedies maybe not being given the same level of attention as other ones um, mm. And the fact that we should be given the same level of concern for tragedy, whatever scale, wherever it is in the world. What would you say are the other main themes throughout this album? In contrary to what we've just talked about, it's a very fun, dancey album. And live, I play with a band of two drummers. So it's always a big crowd of people dancing a lot to what we're, what we're, what we're talking about, even if the themes are quite dense. I talk about... Um, Nat disability rights on the album like the song rupture of the wheel that you guys kind of played on your show recently it's about how we consider like nationalism in any country be it india or otherwise to be apparently inclusive you're proud of your country 
you could be part of your nationalist movement. But in 2016, a wheelchair user in India was assaulted for not, quote unquote, standing up for the national anthem. And for years, they would play the national anthem before Bollywood film just to drum up a bit of nationalist rhetoric. And I'm sitting there thinking when a man who can't stand for anything is assaulted for not standing up for his country, what does that say about the age range? Like 2016 wasn't that long ago. Do you know what I mean? It's not an entirely negative album as well. There are things I celebrate across the record as well. Like I celebrate the efforts of a queer Indian filmmaker called Sridhar Rangayan on a song called The Pink Mirror, named for his film The Pink Mirror, which tells a queer Indian love story. But the censorship board in India banned it in 2003. And it's got an audience among the South Asian diaspora goes to Canada, he goes to Germany, he comes to London, people want to see that film and streaming's really found it an audience too. So trying to celebrate his efforts as a filmmaker in a really challenging market. Um, also, there's a song on the record called Hill Station Epithet, which is about uh, these really scenic locations that are in many Bollywood sing-alongs called Hill Stations. And Hill Stations are these settlements that are like colonial throwbacks where there were towns built in really scenic like places in India, but often by settlers who pushed the Indians native to the area out. And I love how Bollywood repurposed these exclusive colonial settlements into iconic parts of Indian pop culture. Like, I don't hate Bollywood films. Like, I grew up watching them just like any other brown person in the UK or otherwise. And like, I loved that Bollywood took something that that was quite dark and exclusive and made it this big, vibrant part of what it means to be South Asian. And I love that. So celebrating that as well. And I think that if you're South Asian and you at one point kind of hated being South Asian because you grew up as a racial minority and you almost wished you were white and the older you got, the more you appreciated it. Songs like that are for you as well. So it's a broad album. Like there's mm-hmm. there's stuff where I'm calling out, but there's other times where I'm celebrating things as well. So many a theme across only 10 tra- tracks and half an hour of music. No, and it's really nice to hear you talking about it in so much depth as well and to hear how much thought it's gone into each individual track. Because mm. um, I think this is definitely an album and I think I was thinking this before even speaking to you that this is an album that I think you probably need to listen to definitely more than once in order to actually properly gauge with the different messages that are being put forward because on the one hand you've got the fact that it's this very unique sound um, and trying to take all of that in and appreciate all of that and on the other hand you've got all of these different messages which are all extremely valid and important um, and put it all together and it's just this wild creation that like i say i think you do need to actually like listen to it a couple of times as you take it in so with that in mind i was gonna ask um is there anything for first-time listeners or people that are listening to it for a second or a third time that you would want them to have in their heads whilst they're actually listening to it like your things to consider sort of thing no i think the way i look at it is is uh my music used to be really influenced by like gothy post-punk and industrial music and it was a lot clangier a lot less inviting a lot more um confrontational and I'm almost like you're not going to get people to engage with the cause if you're like attacking them with the way the music sounds almost but with this new record it's like really lush sounding synths and stuff and like sounds you would hear in a Billboard 100 record albeit arranged in an original way like I think for first time listeners I'm like it's a it's an I swear it's a fun inviting danceable record and that like when we play live like people are like taken in by how the music sounds because it sounds a wee bit different to what they know but the messaging is almost something that comes later where I think that in between songs I'll give people an idea that the tunes are maybe about this and maybe about that because you get five seconds to say something if you go on a rant the crowd stops dancing the momentum dies down a wee bit so I think for me it's like first time listeners like if you like Blood Orange, if you like Thundercat, if you like the last Solange records, like this could be an album for you. You know, like I would always consider the main influences on this record is like Solange, Thundercat, D'Angelo. Like I fell for like weird RB, relatively weird RB in a massive way. Like I love that an album like Voodoo by D'Angelo could sell so many copies despite being so intrinsically weird. Like there's like seven minute songs everything's backwards the drums are doing wacky and yet everyone's dancing and it's like 
a billboard like number whatever record and i love that and i'm thinking i want to make a record like that and that's what lal is in my i mean you know it didn't come out on a big major label and i couldn't tour it with like dancers and stuff like that i'm looking to tour it in may because i've got a couple of massive shows that i want to build a tour around but yeah i almost wanted to take like i was listening to more inviting music but i wanted to make music that charmed you into getting into it so i'm like you know what if it makes you dance keep listening to it and like if you're intrigued like please like uh, if you follow me on social media i talk in more depth about what the songs are about regularly so you can learn more there as well for sure and when you're talking about it now it sounds like you're definitely taking into consideration when you're making this music as to what it's going to be like when you perform it live like would you say that's a consideration that you're constantly thinking about when you're composing like you're not just thinking about how it's going to sound to people streaming at home you're thinking what is this going to be like when i'm actually performing it it's fascinating right because uh, my wife's south asian as well but we grew up in very different ways like my wife grew up like with the south asian community around her and in glasgow and um not least because like i'm first generation i'm the first folk from my family ever to grow up like in the UK so I didn't grow up with big groups of South Asian people growing up she on the other hand did and this really affected the way we grew up because I grew up in a white majority community and like I would just kind of consume my music as if I were white like I'd go to indie rock gigs I was really into metal for a long time my the way I think about promoting a record is you get in a smelly van and you go up and down the country until everyone in the country's heard you heard your music whereas south asians i think don't consume their music in that way per se like you i mean you know i don't want to stereotype but at the same time i've spoken to people and people consume their music very differently in brown circles versus the indie schmindy kind of rock circles that i grew up with i mean i don't know if you agree but it's like if I was to say to like my wife, like, hey, do you want to go see a new band in like a in a dive bar downtown? She'd probably be a bit averse to that. Whereas if you go, hey, we're going to go see a gig in the stadium, she'd probably be up for it. And that's to my eyes and ears pretty representative. So I grew up always writing music with live in mind. Like for me, like, because I think you can say to anyone, like, what does it mean to be a professional musician? And to many people, it's many different things. Some of them love composing. Some of them love touring. They just want to be playing all the time. I definitely fall into the latter category where I used to just play like hundreds of gigs a year. COVID kind of killed that, unfortunately, for a while. I'm, I haven't toured properly since 2019, but I've been lucky enough to go to Canada and Sweden last year. I've got some really big gigs coming up this year. And for me, it's like the album sounds really like loads of drum machines, loads of 808s and stuff like that on record. But live, yeah, I'm thinking of it as like, this is a record to dance to. This is a record that, you know, folk are meant to have fun listening to. So yeah, live's always been a big part. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like there is definitely a split in the way people consume music depending on your background? I think I definitely get what you were saying before when you were saying about um, depending on what type of music people like and their background mm. as to how they would consume it i definitely think more of the mainstream brown community certainly i can definitely imagine them wanting to go to like a stadium or being perfectly happy streaming it rather yeah. than going yeah. to yeah because that whole idea of i think especially the younger generation now as well the whole idea of um going down to support your band playing at a bar or a pub or whatever i i don't know i mean i i wouldn't know but i'm not sure as to whether that's maybe dying out of it just because it's so much more now about if you want widespread success it's about the guy like you're saying kind of hitting the algorithm and being as widespread as possible which i think you can try to do without selling yourself um like um selling out your yeah. true authentic self but at the same time it kind of does take away from that sense of um that authentic growth that i think was associated maybe with bands of like the early noughties 90s sort of thing yeah absolutely it used to be that when rock music was the thing that touring was this big deal and all that kind of stuff but it's like um i was lucky enough to play that south asian festival in london dialed in and we played oh, yeah. quite yeah, we played quite early, but it's like 
we weren't there weren't as many live bands or something that day people were like intrigued that we had two drummers and that like we made this big expansive racket and people were dancing and it was lovely but it was interesting speaking to people and, and hearing them go i can't remember the last time i went to go see a band play and it made me a wee bit sad but i also get that fundamentally you can't make people get into a kind of music that they're fundamentally not as fussed by and it might just be that people consume their music because it came on in the background of a tv show they liked or you know they saw a band play on youtube but they probably wouldn't go and see them in a gig but you know the way i look at it is if you like me enough to come see me live that's cool it doesn't matter what your background is and where I've really learned is that I have specific content that's going to get me out in brown circles and other content that's going to be more rooted to the kind of people who are specifically into the live show. And it's all equally important to me, but I'm a big fan of just putting my guitar on and getting in front of a group of people. It's, you know, it's a very primal thing for me. Like I started playing the guitar when I was 12 and when I was 12, I was like, oh, I just want to be on stage all the time playing music. And I'm a simple man. Like I, I, that's still what I want to this day. Do you know what I mean? So. On that note, like before we get into talking about the most recent um, release, the 370 remix, mm. um, just thinking about what you were just saying now about how I'm a simple man. I like just to play my music and talking about the type of performing that you are into. Um, and like saying about your upbringing as well, like it's very much like, the type of stuff and the way in which you're promoting yourself is probably more associated with um, rock, which in itself is probably more yeah. associated with um, majority white male people. I think that's fair to say in the, um has been that way for a number of years, um, yeah. no matter what its origins are. Um, but would you say that you've ever maybe felt hindered or um, that people maybe haven't necessarily took you or I've been like, literally, what is this guy doing because of your skin colour? Have you found that people have been quite open and been like, okay, this is actually quite refreshing. We've got this brown guy making music that we really wouldn't have expected. I think it's this weird double-edged sword where both sides of it are kind of frustrating. Like, rock's really big in India. So when I put my, when I put the new album, all the streaming figures were, a lot of them were in India. And uh, a lot of folk in India were really like desperate for me to come play in their little village or their little town or something. But I don't have the finances to book a tour there quite yet. I will at some point, but it's like, I think that the way I look at it is, and it's a, it's a lesson I've learned over the past year, but you're absolutely right that there's a lot of South Asian aesthetic that I take a lot of influence from. Like the way I dress is really influenced by South Asian fashion I've seen in London. And I feel like organically I've really fallen for that. Like I've been to festivals like dialed in and going, Oh, that's cool. I want to buy a bomber jacket and stuff like that. And that really sets me apart from the way people who play rock music or indie music dress now. But with that said, there's definitely been like pushback where I've been playing, like trying to make like waves in rock circles and owing to the ethnic origins of my name or the fact that I'm singing about the caste system and shit like that. People will just think, uh, I, I kind of don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to bin it. And it's been a very, I've had to be very patient to get to where I am. Like, and that can be summed up in the fact that I had demand for my music in Canada. So I just went, you know what? I don't really need Scotland. And I just went to Toronto, played a gig there, toured across Ontario and Quebec, had an amazing time, and then came back and went, you know, people in Scotland went, oh, shit, this guy has traveled to North America. Maybe we should pay attention to him. And then now I'm doing a lot better in Scotland. But that pushback that you're talking about has 100% happened. But as you say, it's this thing where you can love the idea of being original and being many different things to many different people, but you also have to consider how people consume music. And if I want to reach more South Asians, it's more about existing in that DJ electronic space and making waves in that. And I've been immeasurably lucky that folk like uh, DJ Collective Daytimers based in London, who really took off over the pandemic and put on festivals and did a lot of community stuff as well, have taken an interest in what I do. They believe in the messaging and what I do. And despite me technically being a rock 
kind of musician because I'm a guitar player predominantly and like that. They definitely give me a platform for what I do. And that's wonderful because people who might not otherwise like music that was anything to rock are now listening to what I do and really vibing with it. And that's a lovely feeling because there's nothing that beats like someone who vibes with what your song is about telling you that they never realized the music for them existed. And I've been lucky enough to have people say that to me. And that's, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And it's why I do what I do, you know? Yeah, I can imagine that being like really affirming and being nice that yeah. some like a collective that is that well-known as well is being like, yeah, we actually dig, we're down with like what you're doing sort of thing. Like, I don't think it's necessary to have like someone give you the thumbs up for your music to be good in a sense but i'm sure it is like a little bit of like positivity and confidence boosting as well to know that people Uh are actually yeah yeah i think for me it's stuff like i cover some heavy in my music and um when i get uh teenagers in india or like people who live the stories i'm trying to tell because i live in the west and i have all this privilege i'm just trying to do my bit and it's like you could be Forgiven for assuming that people are just going to be like, I don't want to hear these things from a guy in the West. He has nothing to say about this value. And you'd kind of be right, maybe. But you get people like in India who are half my age telling me that they really believe in what I do. And that's, yeah, it, it eggs you on. And it doesn't matter how much negativity you might get from burner accounts or from uh, people who are... Actually, the worst thing is when people are just indifferent to what you're saying. Like, you're really passionate about a cause and they're thinking, yeah, I, I just couldn't care less. Like, I've had people tell me... I've had people ask me why I would bother about disability rights if I didn't have a disability. When both my parents are disabled, some close friends of mine are wheelchair users. Like, it doesn't have to affect me directly for me to care, you know? But there's no point in focusing on people who are going to choose not to engage with it when the people who do engage with it engage with it so much and yeah thanks again for platforming what i do mate really appreciate it yeah no worries and i think just to reaffirm like definitely you don't have to be directly affected by something to champion for it like you know what i mean like and props to you for continuing to do that um so obviously mentioned daytime as briefly before now um so coming on to your most recent release which is a remix of a track from the album 370 by Zar. yeah his name's aaron and like he he does a lot of he works with daytimers i met him at dialed in we kind of geeked out a lot about random guitar ironically a lot of guitar bands that south asians probably wouldn't normally name drop and he went oh you remind me of this band and that band and he also drums in a rock band as well loads of chatting when i was reading i was quite um because i read the press release and i was quite shocked because obviously when i think of daytime is i think of like djs in like boiler room and i read like always a drummer in this um punk band (laughs) this is like really interesting yeah and like when they they played i got them a gig in glasgow and they came up and uh, i come from this real diy punk background where bands come up let them stay at your house for free you cook them a wee meal stuff like that real community stuff and like his band came up and they played a gig and my little a little venue like 20 minutes from here and um they were like oh you got us a good gig here what can i do to repay you we'll get you a bottle of whiskey to say thanks i'm like First of all, the lead, you know, I'm just I like you as a person. I like the music you make, so I'm I'm opening my arms here to let you have place to stay. It's all good. Don't worry about it. But we were talking, and we, we kind of floated the idea of a remix. And I went, maybe you want to do a remix of a tune off the album. Like I love your dance stuff as much as I love your punk and hardcore stuff that you do. And he went, he was like tripping over himself to do it, and it was great. Like the remix sounds. It makes me really nostalgic, like the breaks vibe. It reminds me of loads of like late nineties stuff that used I used to hear my parents play on BBC Asian Network, and it's cool when you'll get this if you you know you make music as well. It's like once you've put a song out, you've heard that song too many times. You're sick of it. You never want to hear that song again. But you hear a remix of a song you've written. You're hearing it in a way you would have never written it because it's a remix. Someone's imagining it reimagining it in their own image and yeah it getting the daytimers treatment is great because they're a really exciting collective i love what they do and them giving this their um 
giving it their perspective, it filtering through the lens of all the house, the brakes, the bass, the UK garage and stuff like that. Like these are genres that my wife is getting me into now. She grew up with all that Kiss FM stuff. And because I was an indie rock guy going up, growing up, I didn't experience it, but it's an exciting time. I'm learning all about like music I should have learned about in the 2000s. And it's nice connecting, you know, learning about stuff. So yeah, this, this remix by, uh, are from daytimers it must be nice as well to get a different take on it given the message as well because obviously 370 it's um relating to the article in regards to kashmir right so do you want to just explain for the listeners who may not know like exactly what this track is meant to be sure, revolving so around in the message it's a complicated agreement Article 370, but essentially it was revoked in August of 2019 and it was to do with Kashmir's special status. That special status essentially being that Kashmir was its own state. It neither belonged to Pakistan or India. And with that gone, basically what's happened is, is Kashmir has become a hotbed of extremism and communication lines across Kashmir have been cut and like remained cut for a long time. Like you know, people, the, the thing I always point out to people is, do you remember in 2020 when we couldn't go outside? How did you communicate with people that you, like your loved ones? You used the internet, you used the telephone. That was your entire lifeline for the middle of 2020, I'm assuming, to anyone listening to this. And it doesn't matter how rich or poor or what background you were from. You were gubbed unless you had an internet connection. And yet people in Kashmir didn't have that. And what I'm trying to get across with this song beyond, hey, why didn't we pay attention to this? Just because the marketing copy wasn't as good as Ukraine or whatever. But also, Kashmir is this hotbed of extremism. And like minorities who are Sikh, Hindu, Muslim, like all of them are suffering. And rather than taking a humanitarian stance on it loads of people are kind of politically point scoring like there's people saying only the muslim minorities matter only the hindu minorities matter only the sikh minorities matter for me it's just like why can't we just have a very blunt extremism is bad maybe we should help people out who are suffering so yeah the song is a very like you know it's it's a very like uh, anti-war pro like let's just help people out human rights or human rights regardless of marketing copy regardless of religion but i think unfortunately i'm being a little bit overly optimistic to assume that people will ever take that message seriously without the uh you know their biases when it comes to religion or whatever creeping in but you know it is what it is it's like if i can spread a bit more awareness of just the atrocities occurring in Kashmir to minorities suffering there, then I feel like the song has done its job. But Zar was really taken by that, like um, Aaron, the DJ. He said, yeah, I really believe in that too. Like, you know, it dovetails with like stuff that he's read about, you know, stuff that he relates to as well. And yeah, he remixed it with that in mind. And, you know, you can see it in the press with the remix as well. He talks about that in the press as well. And it's, I think it would have been easy for him to go, yeah, I'll just put some bass lines on this and I'll stick it on. It's fine. Whereas this guy properly took this really seriously. And that to me is really moving because when you've worked really hard on a song and someone's remixing it, you're giving someone your work and them taking it really seriously is the best you can ask for, I think. Definitely. And we're going to give the listeners a chance to hear that in a second. Um, just to round things off, the thing that I wanted to ask about, because I was thinking about where you go from here, um, and then I actually read, so your it's actually a trilogy, right? So your first yep. album came out in 2018, um, Sacred Ball was number one. Then this is number two, Lal, which, um, again, focusing, the first one was more about nationalism, this one's more about Bollywood. Um, do you know like what direction number three is going to go in yet? Or is that yet to be decided? It's really funny because uh, it was over Christmas. I sat up one day and I had the idea for what the cover looked like. And I'm really excited because I've known what the concept behind the record is. I can't reveal it just yet, but I know what the concept's been for ages. When I had a trilogy in mind, I had this concept. And I was just thinking, what does it sound like? What's the cover going to look like? And I recently had the cover just kind of materialized in my head. I made a little sketch of it so I wouldn't forget. And now I'm kind of going through that phase where I'm just trying loads of things. I think there's going to be loads of ideas where you're thinking, this is amazing. And you come back to it and it's the worst thing you've ever made. And you're like in the bin this goes, but 
yeah, it's gonna. It's interesting. I don't think it'll be as much of a departure as album one to album two. It'll be a more refined version of album two because a thing that a lot of people said is, "I love the live show. I wish the album sounded more like it." And the way I'm thinking about it is, my wife, my two drummers, my live band are so good. It's like I want this album to be a reflection of their talent. So it's gonna be more live sounding for sure. It'll be more. I think it'll be even groovier than this album, actually. It might be, it'll have some surprises on it for sure. When Rupture of the Wheel had a rap in it that was in the language that was in English, so many people were thrown by that. But in a way that made them really like excited to see what I'd do next. I was really chuffed working with like Durante Group, this kind of Pakistani rap collective for Underground Heroes over there. So more collaborations of rappers for sure, more of a live vibe, but... Yeah, that'll hopefully be out next year. I don't want to make it happen in four years again. That was too long away. The pandemic really slowed it down too. So God knows what the world's going to be like by this time next year, but I'm just going to work on it, get it out there, tour it, you know? So thanks again for having me. Really appreciate it. Nah, no worries. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been really nice, like properly delving into this and getting like the artist's insight into this um, body of work. Um, So for people that want to listen to your music, um, get more of a breakdown of tracks that sort of thing where's the best place for them to find you you'll be able to find me at my my full name that's my handle on tiktok on instagram on twitter and facebook those are the main platforms that i use um, and stream my music on deezer spotify apple music like uh, amazon music um, and youtube but like the main places to catch were definitely TikTok and Instagram and Spotify at the moment. So if you could, if you enjoy what you heard, shoot us a wee follow. That'd be much appreciated. And comes if you're based in Manchester, I'll definitely be touring there when the album, well, for the album tour that's happening. And uh, it's going to be in May of this year as well. So the album will have been out a wee while, get to know the tunes a wee bit and hopefully see you all down the front. Thanks so much.